Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, what's up? Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is episode 403, and uh, what is it? We're flying through January, January 24th, 2024. Um, excited about, we got like a trio of fun coming on the show today. Um, all three coaches from the men's freestyle team uh, joining us from a couple of different locations. But uh, welcome aboard, guys. We got head coach Bill Zadick and uh, national team manager, uh, manager of national program i think i saw it but anyways we got the man joe russell there and then out somewhere on the other side of the globe is zach esposito national uh development bonjour bonjour and zach let's start with you yeah yeah fill us in on on where you are what's going on i'm over in france right now we just finished up the nice tournament and now we're at a training camp in paris with our EAP kids, so um, it's going really well. Guys getting cultured and uh, picking up some slang so that when I take my wife back out of home, she feels like it's a new man. <laughs> All right. Um, talk to me about, the, the, you know, who's there with you? How many athletes are they? What's, what uh, you know, ex- explain what's going on there. So we have, uh, we came out with five athletes to the Nice tournament. Um uh, we had two two guys win, Cam McDaniel and um, um, Aiden Valencia. Um, from there, we took our group of Kale Larison, Roman, uh, Ramon Salazar, and um, Omar Ali, and along with Aiden and Cam, and came over to to Paris, flew from Par- uh, Nice to Paris, and we were in about a five-day training camp out here with um, teams from kind of all over, Bulgaria, French team, um, few others and then um head back on saturday this saturday and go right into another senior level training camp which is so it's really cool okay um those 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 athletes that are with you are they living in colorado springs full-time right now yeah so it's um you know technically i'm develop um development coach and the residence coach um so 
what will we do in our program on like you know like uh, back in the day the residence program um, was a really giant thing you know coach bill i'm sure could fill you in on it also um, where he was a resident athlete um, but now we run you know the the eap program the lead accelerator program where we had athletes come through here um, you know recently of you know aaron brooks um you know greg kirkfleet um you know Kyle Slander and Henry Cejudo probably being the most famous of, of, of all that have come through here. But uh, what we do is we'll have seniors or gap year kids in high school that either forego their high school year and, and stay and train at the Olympic Training Center um, year-round. So next year um, I, I get eight athletes um, to train them full-time, and we go to basically college opens um, throughout the fall, um, international trip um, like we're on right now and then prepare for to make the U20 world team and and train alongside senior level athletes and um, put them in one of the best environments that I feel to really you know like it says to accelerate them in their in their field so next year um, right now um, have some guys that are committed to come um, so super excited about that and spoke with their college coaches and they're really excited too but um, I could give you some some of their names of, of, of who's planning on coming, um, which is great. Um, Cooper Hilton being one of them, who's going to Michigan. Drew Gorman, who's going to Virginia Tech. Um, P.J. Duke, who's going to Penn State, and uh, right now speaking to um, Colin Rath about potentially coming out next year. So along with that, working with a good group of guys, all within the same weight class, so that we can basically iron sharpen iron put them in the right environment and you know get the experience of college level opens and experience of international fields so that when they go into college they're ready to compete as true freshmen yeah sounds like a pretty pretty awesome program uh and you mentioned that bill you know was a part of that resident program bill what was what was the resident program like when you were training and um maybe how was it similar and different from today yeah i'm so wrestling's landscape was a lot different then, right? When I, I wrestled up through 2008, and at that time, the resident program was predominantly a senior program, right? We had uh, 20, 20 athletes living on complex, on and off complex, that were mostly senior level athletes. And uh, Henry being, being a you know, high school kid, he and Angel being recruited, by Doc Bennett, um, it was kind of a, a pilot, e- even though I don't think they looked at it. I think they looked at it at that time as like an anomaly. These, these two kids have a bunch of talent. They were really looking at Angel, wanted a place to go. And uh, as they were locking things down, they're like, hey, my brother wants to come. Can he come? And, and through um, some research and homework, Doc was able to push that through. Kevin Jackson was a co- the national coach at the time, and and we all know what Henry was was able to go on and do. You know, one one two state titles um, here in Colorado to add to the two that he brought with him, and then on to the Olympics. And I guess at that time I had some great coaches as as I was growing up. My father, uh, Mark Sprague, who was Joe's coach. Um, Dennis Campbell, Floyd Vaughn, Jabby Young, some, some guys that um, 
were just kind of ahead of their time in thinking. And I, I thought back to my own experience. I was like, man, if I would have had an experience like this, would that have elevated me sooner, more successfully? And I just didn't feel like Henry was a was a lightning strike or an anomaly. I, I don't think it's a, a, it fits everybody. It's probably not a program for 50 people a year, but there are a handful of kids that have the that both the ability and the aptitude um, to really benefit from what Zach's talking about. And, and the overriding view is um, to invest in kids' career and put them on a path of success and teach them what being a professional athlete is all about. Um, a lot of it, uh, a lot of these kids are, you know, high performers and, and elite track kids that they know a lot of wrestling. And, and the wrestling's still important, but it's a lot of the auxiliary things. The, outside the wrestling room, take care of your body, periodization, rest and recovery, diet, nutrition. So all those things that make our, our star performers who they are, um, it's an investment in their career. So, you know, the onset of the RTCs has brought on some big change where there's a much uh, broader opportunity for senior level athletes to train where, you know, 15 years ago, this was the biggest place. Now there's 60 something RTCs all over the country. There's a lot of opportunity for those athletes to engage with training partners and, and uh, elite coaches. And so we want to, uh, we want to continue to promote that and build that. And how do we use this program most effectively and most efficiently to invest in the sport of wrestling? And that's educate our, our next generation. And uh, really excited about Zach and the coaches we've had um, previously have done a great job. And, and uh, Zach's jumped into it wholeheartedly and is doing a great job. And I'm really excited about what he's going to do to move the needle um, for not just men's freestyle, but for wrestling all over our country. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what our program's focused on nowadays. And I think I heard Zach say, I believe I heard him say, next year I'll have eight uh, athletes. Mm-hmm. Is there like um, a yeah, budget so, or an allotment of scholarships or, you know, you can fund this many kids per year or per yeah, cycle? Yeah, the, the, the way the USOPC and USA Wrestling allocate resources, it's kind of a, a incentive-based allocation. So the better we do, the more opportunity we have, and, and uh, you kind of – in any kind of administrative, you know, hierarchy, you're at a college program, you're at anywhere you're at high school program. Um, you kind of got to be the squeaky wheel. So we're always trying to build and expand and get more, um, opportunity for athletes to, to engage. And so that's right now we're there. Uh, I know the USOC is very optimistic about our program. We have a, a very strong track record, you know, Zach mentioned Henry and Kyle, uh, Aaron Brooks, Kirk Lee. There, there's a bunch of other guys, right? There's Mark Halls and Bo Nichols and uh, types of guys that didn't live here full time, but spent a large portion of their year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a history of producing results and elevating kids. And so the USOC believes in it. They're investing in it. And so we're going to continue to build and grow our program. So I think we're eight on complex and we have uh, six off. So we're really at 14, um, you know, and, and we can, we structure those however we want, whether 
we have a handful of senior guys or it's all, you know, ju elite track juniors. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity. I think, yeah, and a lot of that too, it's, it's what Bill's saying, you know, it's, it's also the right kid um, uh, or, or senior level athlete to be able to come, you know, to, to come and train. Um, you know, it's a, it's a unique place that um, you have a lot of unique opportunities. You're exposed to a lot. You're exposed to, I mean, um, the great thing that I have with my guys over here right now is, um, you know, you get to see how much privilege we have in America, what we have with our training situations and our training partners, and how many coaches are coming up to me here who wanted to come to America so much. And you realize how grateful for you you are for having the situations that we have in America. And um, I can speak passionate about the program and really about USA Wrestling and, and the Olympic Training Center because it's something I would send my own kid to. Because, um, um, you know, my goal, you know, I only get a year with them, um, either senior year in high school or, or a gap year kid. Now, senior level guy, if he moves there, um, may have you know, more time with them. Um, but, you know, my goal is that I'm able to help develop these young men into individuals in the sense of being able to individually take care of themselves, um, individually motivate themselves. Um, and really when they get to college that they're, they're more of an asset than, I don't want to say a liability, but they're way more of an asset in the sense of they're almost leaders already as true freshmen. And that's a big, it's a big part of, I, I think our growth in our country of young guys is that they're eager to learn, they're eager to, you know, to get better, and and um, I think that just the opportunities and the environments that they get around, get to be around, just elevates their training. And that's what we're doing at the Olympic Training Center is providing those opportunities for them to accelerate them. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, Go ahead. Zach kind of took the guys uh, the hard way on this trip on going to France. They ended up having uh, the rigors of international travel they got to learn on this trip. So What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you here. what, the girls, were t the, the girls were tough too. We left on Tuesday at 1030. We flew to from Colorado Springs to Denver, Denver to Frankfurt, got to Denver, or got to Frankfurt. Flight was canceled. Next day, woke up at 630. In the morning, showed up at the airport. Flight was can't. Flight was delayed, and we got on the bus, got to the plane, got off the plane, got on the plane again, got off the plane, ended up getting into Nice on Thursday night about 8 p.m. Threw our running shoes on, went through a run through Nice. Next day, trained. The girls competed the next day, or the ones that were traveling with us, and then competed Saturday. So it's it's good that we it's good that they get to see those kind of things, you know. Um, luckily they weren't really cutting too much weight, but, um, I mean, I love it. There's part of me that like loves that, that just, you know, they just get to see like going like, Hey, nothing's, nothing's perfect. We're just going to have to kind of deal with it. Put your body on autopilot, expect, you know, expect the unexpected. And when we get opportunity that, of things that we control, then we'll control that. So it was good. It was definitely fun. But now, you know, they're not making weight, um, uh, uh, yesterday we went. We walked all through Paris. Um, it was it was something that was super cool um, to be able to see see the Louvre, see the Eiffel Tower, see a few churches that were built in the 1800s or even 1200. 
um, you know, something really cool. And then wake up this morning and go matches with guys from different countries. And, you know, it was a whole nother competition where almost like the competition in the camp is, is almost even better than this in, in the tournament. So um, by the time we go home from this trip, we'll have the tournament and then we'll have two match days here. So if you, if you count the match days, we'll be going home with about nine, nine to 10, um, you know, bouts um, in singlets with whistles and everything. So it's super cool. Yeah. And like in another country uh, with travel wasn't good. And plus you get the experience of being in it. That's, that's all kinds of stuff. So it, it sounds like a really awesome yeah. program. I mean, my first international trip was Uregan. I mean, that was one of the most brutal slap across your face type of travel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and competition probably. And competition. That's always a problem. Yeah. 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 I went out there, uh, shoot, maybe 2016 or so. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Chef. I loved it. Um, Hey Joe, well, you know, you, you were one of these elite level athletes at high school, right? Um, what was like, the resident or whatever they want to call it. Was there, was there a program where high school kids that did you ever come up and, and train like in Colorado Springs um, back then? Yeah, I came and trained in the summer times in, in Colorado Springs, but and there wasn't the, the program for the high school kids. That's kind of a, a newer thing. I think they saw the value when Henry won an Olympic gold medal right after being here as a resident, they saw the value on that and the Snyder doing it. The USOPC is definitely bought into that this is a good model and we can help accelerate these guys quicker and, and get them on the international team faster and have a lot more success at an early age. So it, it's definitely something that I'm really excited to have Zach here running it. He's doing a great job with these guys. And I have two champs already over in France, so that's pretty exciting. Did you ever compete overseas when you were younger? Me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there were still some opportunities. Not like it is today, but there was definitely opportunities. So they still had like, you know, youth world championships and these like a cultural exchange and stuff like that. So it's it definitely helps grow you up faster and you get to see other cultures and appreciate what you have and, and you can learn too, you know, you can learn from anybody in the world and, and it's it's definitely what these guys are doing this week in France is gonna help them grow as people. Heck yeah, freaking love it. Um, all right, so it's an exciting year. It's it's the Olympic year. Um, did, does anything change for you guys heading in into you know the, the process, the the trials, um, and and I'm sure after that things probably changed. I would assume a little bit from from typical year, but um, yeah, I guess you guys got a camp coming up. It's business as usual. Yeah, the Olympic years are a little bit different. There's you know. Um, there's just more on the calendar, um, more requirements. I mean, obviously, we have Olympic qualification. We have two weights yet to qualify, 57 and 65, which we're eminently focused on that. Um, there's a wrestle off at 65. Uh, so it, it, it adds a lot, right? It adds a lot of uh, minutiae, um, important things that you got to deal with. And um, international calendar looks a little different. Uh, we adjusted our, our camp calendar uh, to accommodate that to um, not just use our traditional schedule but make sure that we're planning um, training at the right time where it's most advantageous um, the in the in the room stuff it's kind of business as usual right when you're talking with athletes you're making adjustments evaluating 
in, in readjusting to continue to improve. Um, and so that, that pretty much is similar, but we all know that the Olympic year, it only comes around once every four years. There's a lot more emphasis. There's a lot more hype. Uh, we know it's, you know, not that it's, it, it can be more, uh, pressure because of that. We know the world championships is equally tough. And so, uh, not to diminish that in any, but people put more, um, the, the Olympic gold is the one everybody wants. Right. And so, um, that, that adds, that adds to it. It adds to the joy. It adds to, it can add to the pressure if you don't keep focused on the right things. And, uh, it certainly adds to the work. Um, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, we're just completing what's called a long list that we have to submit every name. You know, I mean, we're talking 20, 30 deep at each weight class, all of our administrative support staff, uh, medical staffing, personal coaches. Um, so that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there's there's more to an Olympic year than, than a normal year. Sure. Um, all right. I, I, I'm, I'm just like guys were talking about the Olympics. This is the what? 2012. This was the fourth Olympic trials for for Dake, Taylor and Burroughs. And aside from 2012, they've all been kind of like right at the very top ever since. Um, and then yeah. the different weight classes and then winning world titles. Like, is there is can you go back and look? There's I know there's like the Schultz Monday rivalry. Maybe there's no is, is can you think of any, you know, for Dake and Burroughs, basically rivalry for, for you know, uh, DT half of that time. But can you think of another run of, of 10 years with that high caliber guys competing for spots um, with each other and, and then whoever makes the team essentially wins? Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, obviously it's a middleweight class, right? So it's like the median stature of of males in the, on the globe. And so it's always going to, because of that, it's going to be deep and there's a lot of talent there. But especially for the United States, I, I mean, to me, it's like a legacy weight category when you go back to, you know, all the way back to the late 60s and early 70s, and you have these incredible um, competitors, right? And it seems like um, somebody rises up and challenges that, you know, whoever the star of the day is, uh, somebody new is, that also becomes the target, right? You got guys like Wayne Wells and Stan Desick and uh, Lee Kemp and then Dave Schultz and then Kenny and just on and on and on. And now our current time, right, we were blessed with uh, a lot of talent, right, a lot of talent. And, you know, when, when Burroughs burst on the scene and, and uh, you know, with obviously his physical assets but more his mentality, um, explosive, powerful offense, but there were some great guys there, right? There's some great guys that were uh, competing at the time, Askren, Paulsons, and then there's this kind of four or five way battle between like Dake, Burroughs, Howe, Taylor. I mean, that, that just, that kind of legacy over a course of five decades, right? It's just elevated, elevated these men and, and the program and the people that come through uh, it, it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. Honestly, the hardest part of my job is also that because you, you grow to really 
spend a lot of time with these guys and you see all of their commitment and the, the energy and effort that their families put into it and that they put into it and their coaches. So um, it's a little bit of a heartbreaker. It's honestly probably one of the tougher parts of, of my job um, is you're, you're always excited and happy for the guy who makes the team and the guy who wins. But you know we're going to have some really good people that don't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and you kind of you hurt for that. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting year. We got a, we got a lot of great matchups to look forward to this year. And uh, a, a, yeah, you think a of, you think of think of back to back world champs, Bill, and then now all of a sudden it it condenses down to six weights. You know, yeah. It's, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, I mean, it's amazing it's, to me with. 22, the team that won it, unbelievable team that won the world championships for the United States of America. Then 23, there were six new guys on that world team in 23, and that turnover was pretty crazy to see. And then those guys come through with a world championship. And now you take those 16 different individuals and then all the guys chase them down to six-way classes. It's going to be an amazing Olympic trials this April. Yeah, I'm, I'm super stoked. Uh, super, super, super matchups all around, guys going up, guys going down. Um, Vito, uh, will, as we know, going down world champ last year, 61. Um, I don't know to any of you guys, when did you, when did not he become on your radar? Cause you guys all knew who he was, right? When did it like, was there an uptick or was like, wow, this guy might be ready. Like now was it NCAAs at that, you know, semifinals well, finals or. Yeah, I mean, obviously Vito's been a kid that's been on our radar. He's made age group teams. He's won medals. Yeah. And we knew he's talented. We obviously know his father's a two-time world champ. And uh, he comes from some great pedigree. Um, but I, I think, honestly, um, it comes from inside him, right? And, and each of these guys, each of these great names that we've talked about, they made a choice or they made a decision at some point that this is what they really wanted and they just pour their whole selves into it. And I, and I think we saw that in Vito. And you, you saw it throughout the folk style year and he had some great wins and, and obviously an amazing NCAA tournament with uh, some super elite level guys that he came through to win that bracket. And then he carried that momentum throughout the, the freestyle world championship season. So yeah, it's, you know, all, all the weights are getting funneled down with, you know, like Joe said, 60% new team and they still come, come through and win a, win a world titles, maybe not on paper probable, but you look at our trials and the potential matchups, there's this balance of like seasoned veterans and very accomplished people with some really exciting young up and comers that are ready to break in to the lineup. Um, it's just it's an exciting time to watch wrestling. Heck yeah, um, Zach. What about you? With with were you coaching this past year? Oh, you know, yeah. When who the heck is this guy <sighs> in the semifinals? Um, and, but yeah, I mean, actually, I coached U twenty World Team when Vito took a silver medal. Mm-hmm. Um, also, was on you know on a U seventeen World Team coach when when he wrestled. And, uh, you know, he's always had it in him, um, you know, from the outside last year you know, at Oklahoma State. You know, you're scouting against him and, and you look for tendencies. 
you know, in them that, you know, where, where's the tendency that I'm going to be able to see where to beat this guy. And honestly, going into the match, I thought you, I thought we had those tendencies. I thought we kind of had even a little bit of like, okay, maybe he'll, he'll turn into this at this point in the match. And there was no turning into any type of person. And it was a guy that, um, if I'm speaking honestly, like all of a sudden I was just like, this guy's different. He's not, he's not the same guy. He's not, um, he's not acting the same way he did like last year in nationals or even maybe earlier in the year when he lost a match at Virginia Tech, you know, all of a sudden this happened and, um, and then he goes in the finals and really matches the same speed as, as Roman, if not faster. And, um, and, and I mean, you want to talk about a hot streak is, it's just, he just hit that hot streak. And, um, like, uh, I wouldn't say he was a complete different person from the year before. I think just the potential that he had in him finally came out. Um, and now, you know, now he's, he's, um, kind of proven and shown where he was and it's going to make all that, you know, 57 kilo is going to be insane. Um, you know, but there's a lot of factors that go into it. How guys manage their weight, how they manage their attitude when they step on the mat, how they go out and perform. So, but a guy like Vito, you know, last year of recruiting or scouting him to to where it came, it was just uh, he was very well managed and and very well, I mean, motivated or demotivated, you know, himself. But it's pretty incredible, pretty incredible run. Yeah. Uh, all right, and, and I, I got kind of. Sw- Sticking with college wrestling, maybe like, do you guys uh, watch much college? Like, I like on Friday nights, I sit down and watch the Big Ten Network. You know, I catch duels on Flow. I get watch highlights all over the place. But like, do you guys watch much college wrestling, or is it like you're so involved with what you're doing, there's just not time? Or I, I watch it every yeah, day. All yeah, <laughs> I, I try to watch. Yeah, I mean, besides it being my job, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm, I love wrestling, right? So anytime it's on, yeah, like Bader last Friday watched the, you know, Big Ten triple header, right? Super, yeah. Super fun, exciting matchups, great duels to watch. Yeah. It's uh, important, right? College, yeah. the college, I mean, from a career standpoint, that our, our college uh, constituents are our biggest developmental pipeline, and they're very important to us. Uh, I got to go to the Minnesota-Nebraska duel on Friday night, watch it live, so that was fun for me, and give a world championship team ring to our team leader at that event. So it's um, like a lot of fun for the U23s where all the guys are getting their rings now and a lot of dual meets, so hopefully you've been able to see some of that. But it's been uh, fun to see those guys recognized with their college programs with that age group being very important to us. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the next question is – oh, go ahead. If you have something, go ahead. I can confess this, though, Bader. Watching college wrestling this year is a lot less stressful than last year. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Uh, I, I enjoy all of it now. You know, it's 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 great. It's great. No, but being a fan of it, yeah. That and, like, now, like, sit down and watch it with my boy. Watch it, you know. It's like on TV all the time. It's awesome. Do you think they should have uh... – well, it's to the, to the point, we're all talking about duels, right? Everybody likes watching duels, and I like watching duels, too. And this is an age-old, you know, debate, but, you know, what do you guys think about the concept of, hey, 
in, handing the team title out over a dual national championship and individual titles uh, at a at a tournament. I guess I, I I mean I came through college in an era where the national duels was a big event, and that was the that was the dual meet title, right? And it's it's fun, it's exciting. Um, I think we have this great product with the current format of the NCAA tournament and the individual tournament. And when you think about the essence of our sport, um, it's about the individual achievement, right? And, and maybe it's a collective push for an individual. Um, and I, I would hate to go away from that. I think that's the essence of what our sport is. And, and people like dual meets, but they also like stars. Um, you know, when you think of any of our big names in their sport, when they came through their program, you look at what attendance was before they were there, and you look at attendance when they were on that mat, when when Jordan Burroughs is on the mat, when Cale Sanderson's on the mat, when Spencer Lee is on the mat, when Gable Stevenson's on the mat. People, people like that star performer. And so um, I think that's important. Uh, do we want to build towards where we have a, a dual meet championship? I'm, I'm open to that. I think it's a great idea, great concept. Um, yeah, I, I, but I would hate to do anything that uh, takes any um, emphasis away from that individual. I think I think Bill's got it definitely right on a lot of the thing you love about dual meets is their storylines. You know, the guy that doesn't win the match can also be the hero of the match. Um, and and um, I, I think that's what makes dual meets so much is that there's a timeline to it. You know, and the hard thing about individual stuff, sometimes like in the tournament, is, is that, you know, team points. And you see throughout this whole year of just how crazy, you know, 2 through 12 can be, you know, let alone, you know, let alone 10 through 20. Now you're, you're looking at the top 12 and going – you know, every week this could be a different different team, you know, um, because it's just so margin thin on it. And it is kind of one of those things where um, you talk about it, you talk about it. I think there's maybe some other things in college wrestling that can be adjusted before all that. Well, one is just if, you know, you don't have to force the dual meet championship yet. you got to force the coaches to agree to just do that first so that yeah. – we could have some sort of competition so that we can actually see if this product, you know, will sell. Um, I think that that's something that's really important too, is that, you know, it's hard to get everyone to agree to come to this national duels tournament when the season's so long as it is. Um, we got, you know, hard schedule already. Um, we got school, we got all this kind of things. I think that um, there maybe need to be a breakdown to, you know, a different a different time with the season i mean i mean you know we definitely in march we definitely challenge now women's basketball's got a big contract with espn and and um you know you, you come across you know march madness and all those so you always hear those ideas of changing the time of the national championship um maybe that that can help too but in terms of the dual meet thing it's like a lot of people don't want to do a dual meet championship because they're stacked up already you got injury, you got all these kind of things. So maybe an adjustment in the season um, in terms of number of duels you have, um, 
timing, um, you know, out of conference, in conference, you know, and, and organize it in a way where it's so many weeks long so that we can actually try and do a dual meet championship and these guys not get over 30 something matches a year, you know, but you actually try and do it so that we can actually have maybe some analytical proof on, you know, will this actually work, you know? Um, so, and there's a lot of reasons why number of duels, you know, RPI, winning percentage, everything's to qualify for that national championship. But I don't know, like there, there, there may need to be, you know, some sort of adjustment like that because as a fan now, like out of college or even when I, we were in college, it's like, I want to see who's the best dual meet team. You know, we, we got rankings for, we got this and, uh, but we don't have this pure, pure event like we did with the national duels back when I was in college, when Bill was in college, um, you know, and, and when Joe was coaching in Minnesota, I mean, these were wars, you know, these were, these were, they felt like the national championship. Um, and it was taking pride like it was the national championship. So I, I think before everyone just goes, we need to scrap this and just have a dual meet championship. It's like, we need to put this together first to see actually the proof that shows that this is what we need to do first. Yeah, I think Zach brings up a really good point about like building. I mean, I love, I love the, I love the national duels. It was fun to compete as an athlete. It's fun to coach. For a few years, I was coaching. It's fun to watch as a spectator, as a fan. Um, but we're we're in like uh, a very uncertain time. I feel you know the climate's changing quickly. NILs have influenced um, resources that are involved or how they're involved in our sport. And, that, and I think that creates a lot of uh, uncertainty for people. And if you went to, I think the risk is if you go to a dual meet championship, you eliminate the opportunity for a small school to invest resources around uh, two or three or four mm -hmm. athletes. And they had that star performer, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you had, um, you know, something like what American under Mark Cody did, you know, they get a trophy, right? They're a top three team. In a dual meet format, they don't compete. Yeah. And I, I think you run the risk of um, losing a lot of programs that don't have the resources to spread out and make a, a really competitive you know, you, you, how many teams do you have in a dual meet championship and how many do you threaten because they're not competitive? They haven't been competitive in a dual meet format yeah. in five years or 10 years. And you have, you have ADs that start looking at that, that, you know, there's a lot of really good ADs out there. There's some that are, you know, they're just looking to run a really clean program and have some success in football and move to the next, the next uh, increase in their own career. And, why would they invest those resources in, in wrestling when they can move it over here into women's basketball or something? And I, I think there's a risk of putting ourselves in that situation if uh, if you just went all or none. I think the gradual progression of the national uh, national dual meet tournament, building it, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think everybody is all for that, right? More programs, more opportunity, more – uh, events, you know, same kind of thinking on the Olympic side of it. I want more. I want more weight classes, right? I want ten weights. Yeah. Um, so that that would be my concern. Is 
putting our sport in jeopardy and losing a lot of programs because they're they're perceived as not competitive um, because of a resource when base. They, yeah, when they are. Yeah. Uh, well, and I guess I, the reason I proposed making it making it the national team title is because I think that's that would force everyone to do it. Right, right now they don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, the top teams if they don't want to, and if you don't get all the best teams, it's not a true national. Yeah, but well, yeah. But the, the point is, you still have the same players, right? You have. There's always this argument in our sport: the haves and the have-nots, and the haves are going to pour all their resources into being a dual meet team. The have-nots are going to pour what they have into it, and they're going to have to hustle and scrap. And and we all know it's easier to build something small than it is to build something big, right? If you're talking about, you know, finding that blue chip talent um, that's flying under the radar and build a nucleus of support around, you know, two or three kids or four or five kids, a lot easier to do than – to do that, you know, go from zero to a hundred with 10 weights. Yeah. But yeah. And you're talking about specific, specific teams, specific programs. I mean, look at the Kent state with, um, um, you know, um, Kilgore, who's a national champ, you know, Kent state, you know, if they're not in that national rules championship, you know, then, you know, how hard, you know, and in factor. So it's kind of like going, instead of asking, you know, should we have this or that? It's just, it should be almost like, how can we, how can we have both? I mean, I've, I've thought about it now yeah, really. on the outside. It's like, could we treat it like football in college where you begin your season with non-conference play, then you go to conference play, you know, they have their, they have their conference. So now you're almost thinking like, can we go non-conference matches, conference matches, national dual championship, conference championship NCA championship and try to get it all in and actually maybe even shrink down the season so that you only have maybe you know uh, 13 or 14 duels you know maybe you have three out of con- you know you yeah. break it down to so you get only so many um, so that you get it that way I mean there's so many different theories there's so many different things but I think just us adding events um, kind of hurts it and to be able to stay within you know just as a, as together, the National Coaches Wrestling Association and, and the coaches, you know, really do have to come together on this and think outside the box of, you know, how can we do it when not make a complete drastic change to things, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of lean that way. I, I think there already has been a, a, sh- a shift and an adjustment, and I think maybe it stems from the 2021 shortened season. But I feel like a lot more guys in college right now are eight and no, you know, nine and some of the best yeah. guys, and it's we're in the middle of late January. And that's that's and that's because maybe the best guys. I mean, so honestly, I mean, I don't want to, you know, and sometimes you may be at a program and you're thinking, how can I get my guy qualified for nationals? I mean, that's your whole goal all year. Yeah. Is I got to get him this amount of matches, I got to have this amount of RPI, and I got to have this win percentage. So that when I go into my conference tournament, I qualify a spot. And if I don't qualify a spot, I'm still within to get maybe a wild card. I mean, to have that idea and thought throughout the entire season, that's not really even a developmental mind. That's like a survival type of mind. And, I mean, to me, um, um, but at the same time, for those smaller schools to get qualifiers, that's a reason why they keep it. And it's kind of to what Bill was talking about, of going – 
you, you have just a dual meet championship and you might take away from that school. Um, but, you know, how can you do both? But, yeah, right now, yeah, there's only guys maybe six or seven matches, but those are guys that are already top five in the country or top three in the country or maybe the number one guy right in the country. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know if it's the RPI system and the win percentage system. I mean, is there a way to have a 64-man bracket NCAs? You know, where you go, I mean, who knows? I mean, but sure. I think that um, when you're thinking the whole time, the whole season, how am I going to get my guy qualified for nationals? Um, that yeah, really is, I mean, how, how exciting is to follow it? It would be, yeah, it'd be great to have the, the whole season. 64 man bracket, boy. You're talking like add a day to the tournament, right? At least, right? There may be a brutal single elimination. Brutal. Brutal. No, I, Mark, I agree. You know, like COVID, there's a lot of like indirect derivatives. You know, I think people, a lot of time, right? We all sat around for a long time doing, you know, twiddling our thumbs and, you know, thinking really. And, and I think it did open some people's eyes to, uh, you know, one, I think the things that Zach mentioned are spot on and he, he's lived it more than I have. Um, but I also think people realize like, Hey, getting to the tournament healthy, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a real thing, right? We lost this amazing opportunity to, to, you know, and, and I, my heart still breaks for the guys that, um, I work with a bunch of guys who were number one seeds that lost a, lost an opportunity to be an NCAA champion. And, as we move forward collectively as a sport, I think coaches and athletes are abundantly aware, man, I don't want to beat myself up and lose another opportunity. But we don't want to see another opportunity squandered by an athlete or a program. And so, um, you know, and, and maybe uh, some positives come out of it. Like, hey, we're paying a little closer attention to our health and durability and, and getting our athletes to the, to the tournament healthy and in a, be- in a better spot, you know. I mean, we all know college wrestling's a grind, right? That's why it makes people tough because you, you got to get tough to get through it. Yeah, yeah, and to that right, they're like uh, they're just kind of shrinking the season. The coaches are shrinking the season for some of their athletes themselves. If the if the you know because like you said, it's, it's just uh, it's a damn long season. So I know you guys yes. got. Uh, I think a meeting at the top of the hour. So I, I did want to just kind of talk through between the trials and the Olympics, kind of like what are the most important things from, from your guys' point of view? Yeah, um, well, I kind of already mentioned one is qualification, and, and hopefully we get that taken care of um, at the Pan Am Olympic qualification and don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, but it's kind of like we – we plan for the worst and hope for the best and, and, you know, kind of going down both tracks. So um, the Olympic trials being April 1920, the world qualification being uh, the last opportunity to qualify weights. If you haven't done that for all countries, you know, and it's essentially like a world championship. It's a really tough tournament. Um, And that'll be in Istanbul the first week in May. And so, um, that's something that we're, we have kind of in the back of our minds. But really, um, you know, we're focused on our, our athletes and, and watch what's going on in the world and what kind of skills we're going to see and, and giving them opportunity and, and just being um, emotionally and mentally ready for uh, everything that you're going to see with the Olympics, right? 
from from tactics and technique all the way back to you know dealing with um, family and friends and tickets and all that stuff, all that kind of planning and preparation is has been going on for several months, but we're we're in the thick of it now. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate y'all taking some time and chatting. Really cool to hear about what you're doing with the development side, developmental side, Zach, and and obviously you guys with the senior level. And always fun talking college wrestling. Um, I'll give you all the final word and, and let you let you move on. Oh, thanks for giving us some time and having us on the show. Um, appreciate it. Um, obviously, uh, very excited about Zach and what he's got going on, what he's going to, the impact he's going to make in men's freestyle, especially. And, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, keep rocking and rolling. Yeah. I just want to say thanks for having us on. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, a couple great years passed and now we got to move forward to the Olympic year. It's a super exciting year, but a lot of good things happening in our developmentals with, you know, with, doing well, getting on the podiums, U-17s, U-20s, and winning U-23s this past year, as well as winning the Senior World Championships. Um, American wrestling, we're in a good spot right now. Let's just keep rolling, and iron sharpens iron, and keep getting each other better and, and moving forward and, and have a great Olympics in Paris. I love it. Go, to, go Team I love USA. this guy, right? I love this guy. Yeah, Joe's the best. Joe's yeah. The best. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mark. You need to come out yep. to Colorado. Go snowboarding. Yep, Joe, Bill, Zach, maybe I'll take you up on that. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. We'll see you. All right, yep, bye-bye. And that's going to do it, folks. Good time talking with the trio out in Colorado and France. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, thanks.